our church. So let's go ahead and jump into the message. We're going to continue our, our Christmas series actually today and then also uh, into the new year, the first Sunday of the new year. Uh, and we've been looking at this idea of, of birth and how the birth of a child always brings things. And obviously, we've last week we talked about the birth of Jesus and, and what he brings. And we've been talking about other births in the Bible. And the title of our series is For Unto Us a Child is Born. And our main verse that we've been looking at is in Isaiah 9, 6a, and this is what it says. It's one we know and we hear a lot during this time of year. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That, that gift of a child is important because that child brings things. And we've been talking again about, about how these child, children that have been born in Scripture, the ones we actually have, given to us are very important for us to look at, learn from, and understand. Today, we're going to be looking at the story of the birth of Samuel, the story of the birth of Samuel. Before we jump into that story, though, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this wonderful Christmas season that we've enjoyed and, and still enjoying. And Father, I pray that as we quiet our hearts and look into your word this morning, that God, you would help us to see the things you want us to see, illuminate with your Holy Spirit, our hearts, into our hearts, the areas that you want us to look at and examine, and that, Father, you would use this time. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're going to be looking into the birth of Samuel. Now, before we get into the story, there's a lot here, and I tried to kind of bring it down as best I could so that we wouldn't be spending a ton of time looking at it. But, but before we kind of get into it, Hannah is, is Samuel's mother. And Hannah has is, is got a problem like a lot of ladies that we've actually looked at in Scripture is she can't have children. And so she is dealing with, with a lot of inner turmoil, a lot of hurt, a lot of confusion, trying to figure out what's going on, what, what is taking place in her heart and her life. And her and her family have actually traveled to a place to, to spend time um, in prayer and spend time uh, sacrificing to the Lord and all these sort of things. And so Hannah is, is really dealing with a lot of hurt and dealing with a lot of those types of emotions that are coming through in her heart and through her life. And so we're going to kind of pick up the story at that point where, where Hannah and her family are, are at a meal and, and um, it's a very important time of the year for the, the people of Israel and so she's in this position and so that's kind of where we're going to pick up our story found in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 starting with verse number 9 and this is what it says. It says, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorposts of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, now, as we look at this, kind of especially the end here, we see what's happening. Hannah is, is weeping. She's in anguish. She's, she's saying, listen, God, if you will just give me a son, 
I'll give him back to you. And what's interesting is, is this idea of a razor not touching his head. Basically, it's this concept of, of, of we see also in the life of, of Samson is this idea of a Nazarite vow. Now, a Nazarite vow could be done by lots of people for a lot of different reasons. But usually, one of those vows was for a short amount of time. It, it may have been for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or even a couple of years. But a lifetime... Nazarite vow was something different. This was something much greater. We do see it in the life of Samuel and in Samson and even in John the Baptist, the, uh, a birth that we studied earlier. But, but she's basically saying, listen, if you will do this, if you will give me this son, I'll give him back to you. Not just for a, a short period of time, but for his whole life. So she's in anguish. She's crying out to God to hear her prayer. So now let's pick up again in 1 Samuel 1, 12. And it says this, As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am, not a, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So she is just just going at it, just pouring her heart out to God. And basically, Eli, who is there, he's the priest, he looks at her and he goes, man, this lady has, has had a little too much to drink. Remember, she's at this, they've been at this sacrifice and this, this festival meal and sacrificial meal. And so he thinks that she's had a little too much to drink at the meal. And she said, no, 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 I am just pouring my heart out to God. I'm just pouring out to God. And Eli says, hey, uh, God will bless you. God will take care of this. God will do these things. So now let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 20. He says, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped the Lord, worshiped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanai made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. In this amazing story, in this amazing situation, God remembers Hannah. Now, now here's the thing. As we look at that, it's not that God forgot Hannah, okay? A lot of times in Scripture, what we see is, is things that are written out so that we understand as human beings. So God didn't forget Hannah. What it's kind of helping us to see is in that moment, God's timing was right, the situation was right, and God brought forth what he had always planned to do in Hannah's life. And so she has a child, and she names him Samuel. So now let's pick it up again, 1 Samuel 1, 24-28, because remember, there was a promise that she made. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And I love this. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now look at verse 28. Now I am giving him to the Lord. 
and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. So in this story, Hannah remembers her promise. Now, she, and she gives him back to God. Now, I remember even as, as, as reading this or looking at this story going, man, this is, this is really something. I mean, she sit here and she said, God, I need a son. God, I want a son. I, I, I desire a son. And if you'll give him to me, I'll, I'll give him back to you. Now, I don't know about you. If you're going to be honest you know, with me and I'll be honest with you, there's been times where I've prayed for things, okay? And I said, okay, God, if you'll just do this thing, I'll do this. And, and quite honestly, I probably don't have any intention of actually following through with what I've promised God. But I think we've all done that. Hannah here does something absolutely incredible. And she actually does what she promised. She gives him back to God. This thing that she's wanted, this thing that she's desired, this thing that as we see in this story, she just weeps over and, and is anguish over. She gives him back. God so that Samuel can fulfill that vow Samuel can be in the temple and serve the Lord and 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 really obviously as we've we've looked at that Samuel grows up and has an unbelievably great relationship with God he's a prophet of God and and makes a huge impact in the history and the nation of Israel and all those things but 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 the story doesn't end there the story doesn't end just there let's look as far as as far as hannah and as far as her life look at first samuel 2 in first samuel 2 starting with verse 18 this is what it says but samuel though he was only a boy served the lord he wore a linen garment like that of a priest each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice so in this, she comes every year and sees him and, and spends time with him. But before they return home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. Now look at verse 21. And the Lord blessed Hannah. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I've, I've heard this story, I know this story, and, and I would dare say there's a lot of us that know this story, but I don't know if all of us know what takes place in 2 Samuel 2. Because in 2 Samuel 2, we see something really, really cool take place. Because Hannah cries out, God, if you'll just give me a son, if you'll just give me a son, God answers her, her, her prayer and she fulfills her promise and gives him back to God. And God in turn blesses her with five more children. That's an amazing story. And as we look at this story, especially maybe even around this season or around this time, we can understand a very important truth that I think we need to focus in on this morning. And here's what it is. The birth of Samuel shows us that we cannot outgive God. We cannot outgive God. As we look at this story, what's interesting, and, and I think we can see a pattern here. And it's a pattern that we can actually see in this story and many, many others. And even a pattern that if we look into our own lives, we can see. 
So I want to go through that pattern here and look at this together as we kind of break down this concept and this idea. The first step is God gives to Hannah. God gives to Hannah. Look at 1 Samuel 1, 27 again. It says this, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Hannah asks God, and then God gives her Samuel. So in the first step, the first part of this is this idea that God gives to Hannah. Now let's look at step number two. Step number two is Hannah gives back to God. Look at this, Hannah gives back to God. 1 Samuel 1, 28. Now I am giving him to the Lord. And he will belong to the Lord his whole life. So step number one is God gives to Hannah. And in response to the goodness, the generosity of God, Hannah gives back to God. Now, let's look at step number three. God gives to Hannah. So step one is God gives to Hannah. Step two is Hannah gives back to God. And step three is God gives to Hannah. Look at 1 Samuel 2. In 1 Samuel 2, 21, And the Lord blessed Hannah... And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. It's an amazing pattern that we see in Scripture. This idea that, that God gives first, we respond to that, and God gives again. It's this concept that we cannot outgive God. As much as we try, as much as we would love to believe we could, it's absolutely impossible to do it. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, we see this important concept shown to us as Paul wrote to the church in, 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 as far as their giving and as far as this concept. And this is what he says. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And look at verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need. And look, there's one step more. And plenty left over to share with others. Once again, we see this concept of God giving, of God taking care of us. And then our response in that is to give back to him and to do it with a cheerful heart. And when we do that, we know that verse 8 takes place, that concept of basically, and God will take care of everything you need. And it goes one step further. It says, not only will everything you need be taken care of, but you'll, given, you'll be given more. Now, why will you be given more? It isn't so you can hoard it, isn't so you can keep it, isn't so you can, can, can feel confident or secure in whatever's in your portfolio or in your bank account. It's so that you can actually share more. Once again, it's this cycle that just begins to happen. The problem is, is that for some of us, we forget that it's a cycle. We forget that God is trying to do some amazing things in us. So first of all, God gives to us and we take it and hold it and don't give it back. And when that, we do that, it breaks the cycle. It breaks that cycle that we see. Because here's what we see in the life of Hannah. And I believe that God wants to do this in our life. Hannah started with one child. And because she was willing to give it back, God blessed her with five more. Now here's the, what's beautiful, you've got to remember this. She doesn't have five children at this point. 
she has sex. She still has Samuel. Samuel is still her son. But because she was willing to fulfill that promise and fulfill that vow, now instead of just one child, she has six children. I love this quote from Randy Alcorn. It's so important to get this and, and, and understand this. Listen, this is what he said. He says, God is the greatest giver in the universe, and he won't let you outgive him. He won't let you outgive him. Listen, you could sit there and give and give and give every penny you get or every amount of time or talent or whatever you have. You could give it over and over and over and God will just sit there and just keep going one step more, one step more, one step more. We'll sit there as people, unfortunately, and we'll sit there and go, God, why aren't you blessing me? God, why aren't you taking care of this situation or that situation? And I think in some of those cases, the reason is quite simple. The reason is, is God gave, and then that's where it stopped. At that point, instead of us giving back in response to what God has done for us, the cycle stops. I don't want to be a person. I don't want to be a people. I don't want to be a church family that breaks the cycle. And here's the thing. This, is, this has nothing to do with a prosperity gospel. This has nothing to do with this concept. It is literally this concept that God has laid out for us to understand. It's not about, hey, listen, if you, get, if you give $100, God will give you $5,000. Or if you, it, it's not about that. But it is understanding the principle that God has set forth for us. And understand that it's our place to respond to God's gift and God's unbelievable giving to us and, and give to him in response for that. Not because we think step three is coming, but because of step one. Do you understand? God gives step three because of his great goodness and grace and love for us. We give step two because of step one. The problem is what a prosperity gospel in a lot of ways begins to say is, is you give step two because you want step three. Because you are owed step three. We give because what Christ has done for us. Because of the great gift that we have experienced. So let's look at this. Let's kind of close this out. What can we learn from the birth of Samuel? What can we learn? Listen, throughout this series, there's been times where I'll do three or four, or the last couple of weeks, I've just kind of had really almost just one main idea that I think we need to take, and I think this is it. What do we learn from the birth of Samuel? We can trust the generosity of our God. We can trust it. We can trust the generosity of our God. Look at, look at Malachi 3.10. I know this is a scripture a lot of us know, but, but listen to this. Hear what God is trying to help us to understand. Look what it says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Now listen to this, what he says. If you do, okay, if you will do this, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Listen to what he says. Try it. 
put me to the test. What is God saying here? He's basically saying, you can trust my generosity. You can trust that I'll take care of you. And he goes one step further. It's, it's like God is double dog daring us to do this. He's like looking at us going, look, if you will do this, if you will just bring in the tithe. This is, this is what God is saying. God's not saying, listen, if you give me everything you have, if, if you give me your house, your car, your makeup, he doesn't say that. He's basically saying a tenth. He's basically saying, if you will just give what belongs to me, back to me, look what I will do. This concept here is just unbelievable. But listen, you know what? If we don't trust the generosity of God, we won't trust this verse. We won't trust because we, one of the reasons we hold on to things, no matter what it is, is because we don't have trust. We don't think God will do what God has promised us he will do. God says, I will take care of you. God says, I will make a way for you. God tells us all these wonderful promises. But if we don't trust them, what good are they? If we don't live them out in our lives, if our lives and our actions don't back up the belief in those promises, what good are they? Because here's what he says. He says, try it. He says, put it to the test. Go for it. it it's literally like he's like, just, just do it. I dare you to do this. And watch what I will do. Man, I love it. I love stories. And I've heard them in this church and other places where people will come to me and they'll go, you know, I, I haven't been much of a giver. And, and it could be, listen, you know, I know when we go giving, it's, it, we always think money. We can't think that way, okay? It's more than that. It's a part of it, but it's more than that. But, but when people start, you know, I started to give my, my, my abilities or, or, or my finances or, or whatever, whatever it is. And, and they begin to say that. I begin to do that. And then they say, man, it's amazing to see what God has done. It is amazing to see how much uh, God has taken care of me. I love when people come to me and say, you know, I always thought I was too busy to serve or too busy to do certain things for God. And I said, you know what? I finally relented. I finally yielded to what God was asking me to do. And I did it. And it's amazing. I have so much more time now. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened. All I know is that God's promises are yes and amen. And we can take that, and we can look at that, and we can know that. But look, look, look what he says. Look, look what Jesus says in Luke 6, 38. Kind of goes along with this. This is what it says. Give, and you will receive. Now listen to the order there. It doesn't say just receive and then give. A lot of us think, well, when I have enough, then I'll start giving. Or if I have enough time, or I have this, or if I'm more talented in this area, then I'll start. That's not what it says here. It says, give and you will receive. Now listen to what we will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get. God's serious about this. God is daring us as his kids and as his people to say, hey, if you'll give, if you'll be willing to trust me on this, I'll do some amazing things. You know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times 
you know, Jesus talked a lot about money and a lot about these sort of things, and, and, and he talked about how, how in some ways, you know, we can't serve God and we can't serve money at the same time. And, and, and this concept has constantly been a battle for, for humanity in a lot of ways and, and for everyone. And, and God, I think because of that struggle, has come out very, very strongly to help us understand. Obviously, as we are somewhat past Christmas Day, I know families may be still getting together and having other times of giving gifts and, and all those things. Um, this is such a great reminder of, of, of the idea of, of giving and, and receiving and, and how greater it is to, to give than to receive and all those things. So it really kind of fits in with this season, but, but, but a greater understanding needs to be understood, I think, as we look at this. And, and as we understand this, I just have a simple question. Do you trust the generosity of God? Do you trust it? And, and here's the thing. Here's an easy way to know. What are you doing with the things that matter to you the most? Are you like Hannah? Are you giving them back to God? Or are you holding them close? Are you saying, no, God, I want these things for me. I want to hold on to these things because, because these things are precious to me. Listen, as you go back to our story, and as you really begin to look at the anguish and the... the I mean, Hannah was, was so devastated. Eli thought she was just out of her mind, drunk. I mean, do you understand what she must have looked like to him? And, and, and just to her and, and those moments, there was nothing in the world that she wanted more or desired more in that moment than a son. And God answered her prayer. And I don't know about you, but I think it would have been really easy for her in that moment to go, you know what, God, I've waited for this too long. He's too special and too precious to me. God, I would miss him too much. I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him. He's mine. God, he's not yours. He's mine. She could have done it. And here's the thing. I mean, really, if you look at it, maybe if we're just being kind of honest, I don't know if there'd be a ton of us who would blame her. I mean, yeah, we could all act real spiritual and, and all those sort of things, but just looking at human nature, I, uh, I think that'd be really hard. You know, what's interesting is in that story, in that scripture, it says that when she takes Samuel and gives him back to God, she rejoices. We actually see a song and, and a prayer that she says in that moment. It's recorded. You can look at it in 1 Samuel. She rejoices at the giving. She, she gives with a grateful and cheerful heart. She is so thankful for what God has done for her that it is a joy to give back. Was it easy? No way it was easy. I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure she missed him terribly. But she gave.
she gave in response to what God had done for her. Now let's look at our own lives. How much has God done for us? I mean, here's, here's the bottom line, and you want to kind of just strip it all away, and I know this may be kind of easy to think about, but, but Hannah, Jesus hadn't come yet. We just celebrated a couple days ago the coming of our King. The coming of Jesus. And, and, that, and that celebration is, is, is awesome and important, but we also have to look, look forward to the fact that, that, that he came to die for us. You know, you talk about how you can't outgive God. Well, one way is because he gave Jesus. But here's the thing, as we even looked at that scripture in Luke, there's more. God, God wants to do even more than that, even though that is more than enough. Even if that's all God ever did, it was more than enough. He gave, and he continues to give. And the question is, is what's our response to that? Is our response one that says, no, God, I've wanted it too long? Or is our response to say, God, you have given me so much. You answered this prayer. You took care of this situation. You brought me Jesus. I'm no longer headed, you know, for a, a, an eternity separated from you. But no, now I have the opportunity to have life and eternal life today for, and through all eternity. And so, God, whatever you want, I, it's yours. It's yours. And what's so amazing, like in the story of Hannah, God says, you know what? It's all, it's coming back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. Hannah, you begged me for one, now you're going to have six. That's a pretty good exchange rate, isn't it? But that's what God does. Not because we got it all together, not because we're so great, but because he's so great. So do you trust God? Do you trust the generosity of our God? Do you trust that when you give him what belongs to him, he will give back to you more than you could ever hope or dream or imagine? Because God desires to do some amazing things in your heart and in your life and in your family and in this church and this community. But listen, listen, to get to step three, we got to be willing to give back step two. God has blessed us. God has done amazing things. Every single person that is hearing my voice right now, whether it be on, on this Sunday or in two years from now, you all have the same amazing blessings of Jesus and of God taking care of you and God doing amazing things. I know it. I know it. And so our question, do we trust God enough to give back to him. It's not, listen, it's not giving to a pastor. It's not giving to a church. It's not giving to a missionary. Or, it is giving back to God. And with that, when we refuse to do that, we're taking and keeping things back from God. We need to understand that. Because God is the giver of the gifts. And when we will give back, God will do great things. Amazing things. And trust me, 
whatever you have in your hands, whatever you're holding on to that you won't trust God with, God desires to do something greater than what you have a hold of. Okay? He does. Because you cannot give him. You can't. He's the best giver in the universe. So let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now. And God, I understand that when we talk about giving, there's some people that turn, kind of turn things off. They don't like it. They don't. But, but the bottom line is, is God, this promise is true. This promise is spoken by you and it is, has just as much validity as every other promise. And God, I pray that we would have a new mindset. I pray that when it comes to giving, whether it be financial or, or talents or time or abilities or whatever, that our mindset would be, our mindset would be switched. And it would not be a, a, a mindset that says, I'm giving to a particular thing or cause or, or building or person. But it would turn into, I am giving back to the God who has given me so much. And obviously, Father, it starts with Jesus. It starts with the amazing gift of you, Jesus. And so we thank you, God, for that gift. And because of that gift, and because of the many multitude of the other gifts, we give back to you. We don't give back to get. We give because of what you have done for us out of the great love that you have shown to us. So, Father, right now I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin that work of conviction if there needs to be some conviction. Because, Father, that conviction comes and it draws us close to you. Not guilt, not shame. That's of the enemy and comes from the pit of hell. But that conviction where you say, hey, listen, I love you enough to discipline you. I love you enough to illuminate this area where we need to do some adjusting. Because Father, you are the greatest giver that's ever been. And if we are to be like you, if we're to be like Jesus, we better be some we better be givers too. We better be givers too. So God, I pray that you would show us areas. Maybe, maybe we're doing great in financial giving, but we need, to, we need to be more willing to give our ability or our time. Maybe we're good at giving our time, but, but we need to do better in financial areas. Whatever it is, Father, God, as, as these individuals, as they are in their homes or in their, in their cars, wherever they may be, God, I pray wherever they're at, that right now you would just begin to illuminate individually areas that need to be looked at because you love us, because you have great promises for us. You'll do your part, Father. We know that. Help us to do ours. Help us to do ours. Because God, we could never outgive you. You're the greatest giver ever. Help us to be more like you. We love you. We thank you. So good. You're so good. I'm going to turn it over to John. John's going to lead us in a quick closing chorus.
Father. Thank you, God. We adore you, Father. We adore you, Jesus. Help us in this area. Help us in this area. Help us to put you to the test. You're so good. And we love you so much. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning where we could come, worship you, look in your word, have you speak to our hearts. Father, you're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, listen, I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I hope that that season for you is just continuing and you just have a, a great week. Next week, we'll be back uh, uh, in person on the 3rd and also online. For those that like to attend online, we're just so thankful and uh, for all of you and, and whether you, you're here on, on Sunday or online on Sunday, we, we love you all, we miss you, and we're excited to see you all next week. So again, have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful season of celebrating the amazing gift of Jesus. I love you. Can't wait to see you all. Have a great week, and we'll see you in 2021. Have a good one.